0: Good morning, church. Welcome. I'm so glad you're with us to all of our online family. I want you to know we miss you. We can't wait to see you one day. Hopefully, we're getting closer and closer to some solutions for you to be able to come. Hopefully, we pray that the virus is is eradicated at some point and you're able to come be with us. But in the meantime, we're so honored to do church with you right here, right now, and it's awesome. If you don't know me, if you're a guest, my name is Tim Blevins. I am the lead pastor, and I am with Lachlan Holmes today. Hello. He's our amazing youth director from Australia, and we hired him because he has such a great accent. <laughs>
1: something? Can you say something in your best Aussie? All right. Well, this afternoon, I was at the park, and I saw a bunch of kangaroos and kookaburras. <laughs>
0: Whatever a Kookaburra is, awesome. And hey, can you say something we know? Say like, like here's what we know. We know like bloomin' onion from oh, yeah, yeah. Outback.
1: Yeah, you head to Outback Steakhouse and get your bloomin' onions. <laughs> that's
0: awesome. Uh, that's not why we hired him, but it is great that you have a good accent. That always helps. Uh, he is a graduate from Hillsong International Leadership College. Uh, he has a massive call of God on his life, and we're just honored to have him be our leader for our youth ministry, and it's awesome, so we love you, man, and Thank you. I'm glad you're up here. We're in a series called Better Together, and one of the things that we're doing is co-preaching together. together. I like it. We're going to be better together today. Amen. Awesome. So our sermon topic and our title today is Vision for the Next Generation. And so I want to take us to the Bible, 1st Timothy chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. I'm going to set it up and then we're going to go through a few points today about a vision for the next generation. So 1st Timothy chapter 4, this is the apostle Paul and he is writing this letter to Timothy and it says, "Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them." Verse 12 says, "Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. And so understand here's where we are in the context of this story. Timothy is a young man, and he's pastoring a very large church in Ephesus. And Paul is writing this letter that we're reading called 1 Timothy to him to help direct the affairs of the church. And so Paul wrote this letter directly to Timothy, but it was intended for the entire church body to hear it and read it as well. So when Paul says in verse 11 that we just read, he said, teach these things and insist and insist that everyone learn them. Paul was giving credibility and authority to a young man trying to lead a church with older adults in it. And so I think somewhere along the way, the Apostle Paul must have heard something like that. They maybe weren't embracing this young leader, this younger man leading the church. And so Paul was encouraging them to to come together and work together. And so Paul exerted his apostolic oversight, his influence in the church, and to help tell this older generation that they need to work together with a younger generation, with this younger leader. And so I think this is kind of what we kind of want to kind of pull out of this thought, is that the church is intended to be a place where younger and older generations work together. And so our point that we're going to kind of build off of today in our sermon that is part of this Better Together series is that the church is better when all generations are involved. So the church is better when all the generations are involved. And so we have three reasons why. I'm going to pick up on the first reason and Lachlan's going to pick up uh, moving forward out of that. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Our first point is that our church wants to lead and leave a legacy for the next generation so we want to lead and leave a legacy A legacy is like an inheritance it's something the the values of something or something of value that is left for the next generation the bible says in psalm 71 18 it says now that i'm old and gray now listen
1: you're not doing too bad <laughs> Mister. <Lee. laughs>
0: so maybe a little old and a little gray but um he says, do not abandon me, O God, and let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. And so as a church, we just want to equip the next generation. We don't want to pass on religion and rules. I love this verse because it says we want to proclaim your power and the miracles. And I think it's just a way for us to understand that we have a powerful relationship with our heavenly father and we get to experience his miraculous work in our life that's just so much better than rules and regulations and so i was just thinking as a senior pastor and some of the values that i want our young people to to inherit the values that i want them to accept and walk and live out and so i've talked to our youth pastor here about these values and these are the things that i want him to establish through our leaders in this next generation let me just give you four things real quick we want to establish in every young person that god is good now listen this is really for every person but god is good we want everybody to know that that he only wants good for us he is a good father and he he is never bringing bad and harm into your life and and god is faithful to the end he never will abandon you he never leaves you god is good And He is always loving you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. And so God is good. So that's the first thing. The second thing is is we want every student to know that Jesus paid for it all. Now, we understand that at the cross, He paid for our sin. And we need to know that by His grace, that we have a brand new life. And I want every person to know that because of Jesus, we have this brand new life. All of our sins are forgiven. Condemnation is gone. And we just get this brand new life. But also along with the cross, we know that, that every sin, every curse, every sickness, every, desert, every disease, and every hurt was also paid for at the cross. And so we have access to, to everything that Jesus has provided for us as believers. We get to believe for those things. And so Jesus paid for it all. The third thing, which which I think is probably one of the Uh, most um, core values that that operates in our church body Mm -hmm. is that all things are possible. In other words, we are a church that just lives out of faith. We believe that all things are possible. Now, with God, all things are possible for those who believe. By faith, we believe that the power of God and His mighty works is at work on earth today and there isn't anything i love this there isn't anything that god can't do and so whatever god leads you to you know that he's going to be for you he's behind you and it's just unlimited when we follow what god wants to do in our life Uh, we are people that that pray but with bold and audacious prayers that just partner with what god wants to do and so i love all things are possible Now, the fourth thing that we want every student to walk out with is, I have a significant purpose. And we want everyone to know that they have a significant purpose. Uh, God, God loves you. He has paid for it all. All things are possible. And he has a purpose for you. And he wants to work through you on earth. He wants you to help bring heaven on earth. And so we all have a purpose. Your life matters. Every purpose is important. And I just think it's awesome. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in that place, when we, we receive that baptism, his spirit gives us spiritual gifts that we can strengthen the body and we can and we can do all that God wants us to do. So amazing, all that God wants to do. So those are awesome. So Amen. take those, Amen. take those, take those. That's awesome. Now listen, it is our church's responsibility to pass on this legacy. So we have, to, um, we have to do them as adults so we can pass them on. We have to believe that as well so we can pass that on. But here's the thing. If we don't, mm-hmm. we could lose a generation to the world. Yeah. The Bible says in Judges 2.10, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. We are only one generation away from a godless culture if one generation doesn't pass on the values and the kingdom to the next generation. Only one generation away and that's what happened here in Judges. But on the other side of that we're only one generation away from transforming the world through this next generation. Amazing! Amen. Amazing, Lachlan, jump in. Tell me how do you feel about yes. the next generation? And take this.
1: I, I'm very, firstly, very excited to see what the next generation has. I feel like they're a generation who is not afraid to go after what they're passionate about. Um, they've got strong, like, self-confidence in what they do, and I love being in a youth on Sunday night and seeing that room of of middle school and high school students and thinking like, what kind of careers they're going to step into in the future and my passion and desire is that whatever course that takes, that they really, you know, hold on to those values. And I love thinking of, you know, imagine our future business leaders knowing that God is good, that Jesus paid it all, that all things are possible and that, that they have, God has a purpose for them. And imagine our teachers and leaders and politicians even and doctors and sports stars all knowing so strongly that, that God is good, he's faithful and that, that Jesus paid it all and they have a plan and a purpose that nothing can stop them. And I think... You know that's so exciting to know that as a church we have younger generations here who we get to impart that onto, and I believe that, that that's what the next generation is going to look like—a a transformation generation. Hey,
0: they can change the world. I love it. One generation away from great transformation. Absolutely, love it, love it. Um, hey, we're going to jump into the second point real quick. Yes. Uh, so point two, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Our church partners with parents to impact the next generation. So. Well, I have a little more experience in this. You do, yes, you You are a parent. (laughs) So I'm gonna take the first part of this and then we'll turn it over. Uh, Parents, as a parent, all of of us as parents, we carry the greatest responsibility in our children's spiritual life. And so it is our responsibility. But God also uses the church and and amazing youth leaders and, and all the volunteers and our kids ministry leaders uses all of them to partner with you in their spiritual life in the book of Titus chapter 2 verses 4 and 6 and it says and listen this is we're not pointing out anyone in the room no no one but it says the older women must train the younger women so we're just we're just understanding some principle here and in verse 6 it says in the same way speaking to the older men encourage the young men to live wisely Harriet and I have raised two what we consider we're biased and you probably are a little I bit. think they're pretty great as well <laughs> they're so you' win. amazing they're amazing children they're grown married they're in ministry and uh, you know they, they have just demonstrated a great heart for the Lord and but here's the thing we will never cease to thank God for the blessing it was for us to have them grow up in church mm-hmm. like they were ingrained in church and the church played a vital role in so many ways, especially in their spiritual development. I can give shout-outs to our past youth leaders that were a part of my kids' life. And I think back to John Freshwater and Sam Ivey and, and just the impact they had. In Eli's life, he had two, two young men. They were just probably just out of college, but Phil Vizzini and Britt Deloretto. And they took Eli to, I think they went to islands uh, yeah. every Wednesday night for, for dinner. And they just encouraged him, and they just were part of his life, and they gave him someone to look up to. They were role models for him. And for Bailey, uh, Whitney, she, she, Whitney, Eddie, is an amazing person. She was Bailey's small group leader and mentor for years. And, and man, Whitney was just, like, the, the greatest person for Bailey to get to look up to. And, oh, man, I, I'm so grateful for these people that they poured into their life. And so we'll always be grateful to have leaders in our church that partnered with us as parents to be role models in their life so tell us though from your perspective how yes. important are christian role models in our students life
1: they're, i think they're just the most important because everyone needs a role model and pretty much everyone would have a role model and even if they know it or not and i love when you ask children kind of like who do you look up to or who are your heroes or who do you want to be when you grow up and You get the variety of, you know, maybe a superhero or a musician or a sports star. But everyone kind of has that one person that they think is so cool and that they really look up to. And I remember when I was younger, for me, it was always a sports star in pretty much any sport. But there was one particular, um, I remember, who was an Australian tennis player. His name was Leighton Hewitt, if there are any tennis fans out there. But he was number one in the world for a while. And he had this signature celebration that every point he won, or his opponent lost, he would sit there and he would go, come on! And he would just look straight down at them and go, come on! And my brother and I, no matter what sport we were playing, we would just mimic that. Anytime I scored a basket on him, I'd look at his eyes and go, come on! And just kind of rub it in a little bit. So when you make a good point today, I'm just going to be, come (laughs) on! Yes, please. (laughs) Um, But we would mimic him because that was someone that we looked up to. And young people are always looking for someone to look up to and to inspire them. And in an age like today where social media is just so prevalent and rampant and is everywhere and you know there's so much coming at, at our kids, there's a lot of um, a lot of these young people who are looking up to social media influences, if you will, these people who have lots of followers and look like they have it all together, and they start to try and make their lives look a little bit like that. And what's really sad is a lot of these influences come from broken places and they're really empty and, and missing out and I fully believe that the church does not get to take a backseat to the world, that when the church takes an interest and we invest in the younger generations, we actually get to become role models and and great role models, not leading from empty places, but from, from life, from that life of Jesus. And when I was in high school, my youth leader, he became my hero not because he was the coolest person in the world, not because he had all the answers, but purely because he, he took time and took an interest in me and invested in me, and he would take me out to lunch, kind of like you were saying with Eli's leaders, and he would, you know, just believe in me and, and pour into me, and I'm so thankful to know that, that we have leaders like that at this church who really do care about parents, your children here, and, and the rest of you, for those who don't have kids, like this is your opportunity to be role models to the next generation, and One of the most practical ways that our church does that is through our kids' life, our little life, and our youth programs. And I just want to encourage you guys as parents that when you drop your children off to Sunday morning and to Nicole, it's not just babysitting for them, it's not just daycare for an hour and a half or two hours, but it's actually a ministry. And I was asking Nicole a little bit of what their Sunday morning looks like. And and when your children get dropped off, they go into small groups, they get to hang out with some friends and and have leaders who, who kind of talk with them, and then they get to go into a time of worship. And isn't it so awesome to know that our kids are growing up with worship on their lips, singing it. praises. And then they get a Bible lesson that's not just picked out of a hat or, or copied, but it's something that Nicole has prayed over and she's believed that will impact and, and sow seeds into their lives in, on that Sunday. And then to end, they go into a time of prayer with their small groups and they have a snack. But just how great that our kids get prayed over, they get sown into, they get to worship. Amazing. And I love, I don't know if you guys were here for baptisms last week, and if you weren't, you missed out. But we had seven kids from our children's ministry get baptized. And I love that. That's a partnership through you as parents ministering to home and investing in them being at church as well as the Kids Life team teaching about baptism to lead to a moment where they publicly declare their faith, even at such a young age. And it was such an incredible moment. Sunday Morning Kids Life is not just a program, it's life change. And the same thing for youth.
0: I was going to give you go
1: a for come it. on right oh, there with those seven, come on. seven kids. So go ahead. <laughs> I like it. Um, the same thing at youth. When your kids are dropped off at youth, it's, it's not about just a place to hang out and, and have friends. It's actually about where, a place where students can come and they can have moments with Jesus. They can learn about these four values that Tim was sharing about before, that they know that God is good, that Jesus paid it all, that they have a purpose and that nothing is impossible for them. And I can tell you, from being there week in week out that there have been countless life change moments of middle school and high school students surrendering to God singing praises hearing about his his life and his love for them and just how they can live that out in in their schools and I just want to take a quick moment to give a shout out to all our kids life and our youth leaders because you guys are amazing you deserve a come on because you guys crush it I agree. and my one shameless plug to you parents is you will never lose by bringing your kids to church or to youth group because there is so much ministry and life happening in those areas.
0: That's great. I'll tell you, I love our ministries to our next generation. And just to echo the, the, nice. the leaders that, that we have, it's so great. And thank you to Nicole and all her, her leaders. It's amazing. Uh, just a quick fact as we're thinking about mentors and we're talking about Timothy from 1 Timothy that we read earlier It's interesting that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy and Paul is credited with introducing Timothy to Christ and so we can see that through the scriptures. We know that Paul mentored Timothy as well. Paul took Timothy on one of his missionary journeys with him and Paul set Timothy in as the pastor at Ephesus and so we see that mentorship, Paul mentored Timothy, played a significant role in Timothy's destiny. And that's what is happening with us in our church yeah. through our leaders. We have a, an opportunity to, to mentor and to raise up and to help kids reach their destiny and students reach their destiny. So it's amazing. So love that. Love that. Well, take us to our third point.
1: Yes, our third and final point is our church thinks more, not less, about the next generation. And in um, this passage, 1 Timothy verse twelve and 4, verse 12, it says, don't let anyone think less of you because you were young. And I feel like for me, when I was growing up in high school, I remember all I wanted to do was, was be a grown-up. I wanted to get a job. I wanted to drive. Really, I just wanted to be able to make my own decisions. But I kind of felt like until I reached a certain age, I wasn't you know, a full value or a full like member of society yet. And Looking back on those times, I was living in this one day when mindset. Like, you know, one day when I'm older, I'll be able to do this. One day then I'll be able to do that. And I feel like what Paul was saying to Timothy in this passage, he said, don't let anyone think less of you. He was saying that your age isn't a disqualification. Your age doesn't make you less valuable to the ministry, less, you know, able to spread the gospel. So he was saying, don't let anyone think less of you. And I love there's this story in Mark that I'm going to read that really captures Jesus' heart towards the younger generation. And it's found in Mark chapter 10, verse 13 to 14. And it says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch and bless them. But the disciples, they scolded these parents for bothering him. And when Jesus saw that that was happening, he was angry with his disciples. And he said to them, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. And I want to encourage us that let's not be like the disciples who perhaps viewed this moment as an inconvenience to Jesus because they didn't think that the kids were maybe worth Jesus' time. Jesus had a lot to do, but we need to be thinking more of the younger generations. We need to see that they have so much value, they have purpose, and that there is no age too young to help build the kingdom of God. When I was growing up in youth group, we had a youth conference every year and basically every kind of team at youth was in charge of creating a big banner like a big painting that would hang up around the halls and they would do a big kind of party night where the leaders and the students from this team would would all gather and I remember sitting there watching year after year they would paint the banners it would look so cool and just thinking oh I hope no one ever asked me to paint because I'm going to knock something over and mess it all up and one year I was sitting there and one of the leaders she was like hey Lachlan you should come over and paint this spot And I said to her, I said, no, like, you don't want me to paint. Trust me. Like, I'm just going to mess it up. And she just said, no, like, I really think you can do it. And it was such a simple moment. But for me, that was one of those times where I was like, wow, someone actually believed in me. Someone older that I looked up to actually took the time and believed in me. And I love that, you know, we have students from our youth ministry as young as sixth grade who every Sunday morning, they're out there helping Nicole with, with the babies in Little Life, helping run tech in kids' life. We even have some of our high schoolers who are training in training to run tech for the main service. And I love that when we give them these opportunities, it's not so that they can fill a gap, but it's because we truly believe as a church that they have the ability to make an impact in that area, that they have a place there, they have value in that team. And we as the church are better when we think more of the younger generation. When we come back to our passage in Timothy, I want to jump a couple of verses down to 1 Timothy 4 verse 14. Where it says, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Don't neglect the spiritual gift you have. And I love as Tim was saying before, the context of this passage is that it was encouragement for Timothy as well as a letter for the church. And my final encouragement to us as the church here would be this. Firstly, to you who are students, to you who would say that you are the younger generation sitting here, maybe at home uh, watching wherever it is with your family. Don't waste your gift. So good. God has given you incredible talents and dreams and giftings and passions. And there's so much in store for you right now. You know, don't live in, in the one day when mentality that, you know, I'll wait till I'm older to be involved in church. I'll wait till I'm older to make a difference because God wants you to use your gifts to glorify him today. And at Life Church, we have a place for you to help do that. We have a spot for you at our church to help build it. And I can 100% say with confidence that you are valued here. That there is, a, there is not a spot that's uh, too big for you or too out of reach for you to, re- um, for you to make an impact in. That's right. And to the church, to all the generations, um, the other generations listening, don't miss the gift that our younger generation has. These students are such a gift to the body of Christ, and sometimes it's going to get messy. And I'm going to be honest, we may break a couple of things here and there.
0: Let me, let me just intersect for a moment. A few years ago with a previous youth pastor, okay. I said to him, That they really weren't doing youth ministry well until they broke something, and I like like that. (laughs) And and, and he took it literal, and we broke stuff all the time.
1: (laughs) That's awesome, but yeah, but we we probably will break a few things. But there is just so much gold and gifting and potential in the lives and hearts of every child and young person, and I would hate for us as the church to miss out on all of that because we didn't invest. And some of our favorite youth nights, I'll end kind of with this, are the ones where we let the students lead everything. We call them our student takeover nights, and we let them be in charge of all the games and the snacks and the preaching and the worship. They even do set up and tear down. It's amazing. It's a great night for us as leaders. It's good training. It is good training. But let me tell you, one of the biggest lessons that we as leaders always learn from these nights is this, that anointing doesn't wait for an age. I've heard messages from 11-year-olds, from 6th graders, 8th graders, and they've encouraged me. They've inspired me. They've challenged me. I've been led in worship by middle school students and high school students, and they truly do help usher in the presence, and we have moments in that back room, and that's because anointing doesn't wait for an age. Anointing is for all believers, no matter how young, because God can and will use anyone, and so my vision for our youth group here, for Echo Youth specifically, is that you know, no matter how many weeks you attend, no matter how many years you're a part of it, that any student who comes, they will leave knowing so strongly that those four values that Tim mentioned at the start are a part of who they are. That they leave so confident that God is good, that he is faithful. Yes. That they leave so confident that, that Jesus really has paid it all. Yes. They leave so confident that nothing is impossible and they leave so confident that God has an incredible plan and purpose in front of them and that no matter what life throws at them in the future, no matter what it looks like after school and through the career or whatever, that they know that there is a place for them in the house of the Lord, in the church. And right now, we all together get to sow those seeds by believing and investing in the next generation because I believe we truly are better together.
0: That's so good. That line you you had up there, I just you got to go we got to just say it one more time. Right. Anointing doesn't wait for age. Like that is so powerful that God starts at a young age mm-hmm. using people for his kingdom. And one of the things from this generation that looks back at that generation their passion inspires me. Mm-hmm. I I love the passion of young people. I love it when we're at church on Sunday, and they're worshiping, and I, I just love the passion. They, they, you know, they exude it, you know, it comes out, and so it's amazing, but anointing doesn't wait for an age. So, Lachlan, listen, when I think about our next generation, I, I think about, you know, you, and I think about Nicole as a leader and I think about all the the leaders that are volunteering with you guys and and it it gives me more than hope it gives me confidence like man like this is the next generation's really getting it and it really excites me that our church is better together we're yeah. better when both generations are all generations are together working yeah. together so our church is better when all generations involved it's amazing well before we conclude today's service and it was so great. You did a great job today. Thank you. Awesome. We want to take communion together. We mentioned at the beginning of the service that we, you know, you can go get your communion supplies, get some bread, get some juice, whatever you're going to use, and we're going to take communion together. The the, the principles around communion are are so powerful. But one of them is that the church did it together. They took communion. So they would go to people's houses, and as they fellowshiped together, they took communion. But communion is this moment where we stop and remember that through Jesus Christ, we are saved and we're healed, we're delivered, and Jesus paid for it all. It's a moment where we can, in some way, like maybe rededicate our life to Christ. One of the things that I do when I take communion is I I, I just say, Lord, with this bread and this juice, I just recommit myself to you. I, I recommit myself to the spiritual habits as well, to because you know all of us, we get a little, maybe we've missed reading our bibles and we've just gotten a little off track and so this is like that moment i say you know what grace jesus paid for my my salvation there's no condemnation and so i just want to reboot and so it's a great reboot moment it's a time that sometimes if I'm feeling some heaviness or guilt, I'm just like, you know what? He paid for it all. It's just, it's just a great way to just just kind of restart and just remember what Christ has done. He's given us victory over our past. He's given us victory over our mistakes, our hurts, our bad habits. And so at communion, we just we just remember what He's done. So in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians, and, and why don't you do this with me if you'd get your bread, and, um, and let's prepare and before I read this, let me just pray for us just as a, a moment. Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you have paid the price for us, and we remember what you've done. Thank you that we're saved. Thank you that we're set free. Thank you, Lord, that every sin in our past and present and future is covered. And so, Lord, we thank you and remember it. We rededicate our life to you in Jesus' name. The Bible says that on the night when Jesus betrayed, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. So let's let's take this together. Thank you. And then the next verse, it says, In the same way Jesus took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by his blood. And he said, do this to remember him, to remember me as often as you drink it." Thank you, Jesus. We do remember him. Amen. Hey, church, thanks for tuning in with us today. Lachlan, you did a great job again. Thank you. We love you. Can't wait to see you sometime soon. But until then, we'll see you next week right here. God bless.